Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, August 28th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I'm pretty excited because uh, today, Monday the 28th, is our monthly Clear Admit Plus webinar. And I know we already did one in August, and so some people might be saying, why are they doing a second one <laughs> if it's a monthly webinar? But we realized that next Monday is, um, well, it's, it's uh, Labor Day in the U.S., right? Um, and it's also very close to the deadlines for some of these top schools. So we figured we'd do our September monthly webinar um, today on August 28th to just, you know, try to get at people's questions before they, you know, actually hit submit in a week or two, depending on which school they're applying to and stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. That's at noon Eastern today, Monday, the 28th. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. I mean, even though it is bank holiday in the UK where I'm be broadcasting from, but we're going to run with it. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you doing that, Alex. (laughs) Um, So otherwise, I mean, you know, I have seen finally at long last a couple of top schools close out their wait list um, over the last week. I think I saw Kellogg do that. Um, I don't know. Was it Stanford? Maybe that was like 10 days ago. But it, it seems like we really are. I mean, students are showing up and they're in orientation now and classes are starting soon. So that all makes sense. We're kind of fully focused on the year ahead now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, up this week, um, Cambridge Judge has its round one deadline. So, oh wow, they're really really first of the top programs to kick things off. All right, so they are first in the field this year. That's great. Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, speaking of the kind of year ahead, is that we're doing this event on August 30th, so that's this coming Wednesday, um, where we're going to do a panel, and it's kind of an Ask Me Anything, really, with students who are currently at Chicago Booth, NYU Stern, Berkeley Haas, and Yale SOM. So we have one student from each of those programs. I think they're all class of 24. So they're all kind of second years, which means, you know, they've been through the first year. They still are close enough to it all that they remember the admissions process. And so this should be a great opportunity to just sort of get some insights from these actual candidates who are applying to school, who are, sorry, are attending the schools that a lot of our listeners are applying to. So it should be fun. Yeah, great event. Yeah. Yeah. And so the way to sign up for that, if you haven't already, is to go to bit.ly forward slash RH webinar five. And that's the number five, not spelled out all lowercase, all one word. Um, and so, yeah, these are what, you know part of this Real Humans Insight series that we do. And then we're going to move on in September to the fall essay series, which I've talked about the last couple of weeks. So I won't really say much more because we'll, we'll get into promoting that next week a bit more. But we've got a lot of great schools joining us for that. Um, otherwise, Alex, I don't know if you saw, but Emory has just announced, uh, Guizetta has just announced that they uh, are offering a master's in management program. So I know we mentioned Chicago Booth is doing that um, a couple weeks ago on the show, and and now here's Emory doing it. I wanted to ask you, and I'm sorry I didn't like tell you about this before we came on air, but do you think this is where the industry is moving? Like, in the, And when I say moving, I, I mean, a lot of top MBA programs have deferred enrollment, and now we're seeing some top MBA programs also offering master's in management. And in all cases, the people that they would be talking to about these programs are all kind of college juniors and seniors, because whether you do deferred and apply and wait um, after you've gotten in uh, or just go straight into a master's in management, you're still you know, making these decisions and applying when you're in university. So I don't, I don't know if there's this move to like capture talent as early as possible or what, what's going on, but what's your take? I mean, that's a conundrum, isn't it? I mean, when you're competing for the top talent, as top MBA programs are, 
they're competing for other master's programs that don't require work experience. Right. So they've jumped through the hoops to offer a deferred option to get them locked in at that time when they're graduating seniors. Maybe this is the next step to sort of accomplish the same sort of goal, competing for that top talent. I think it's a shame if this becomes a de facto standard, though, because there's so much that you get out of a top MBA program that you wouldn't get if you went directly into the MBA program. Right. It'll be a night and day experience. Yeah, and I think the good news is, at least so far, it seems like there is no direct path into an MBA without working first. So even these deferred programs are still requiring that people go out and work. Yes. And and it seems like anyone who wants to start immediately, they're funneling into these master's in management offerings. So I guess that makes sense. And I do think, you know, Europe has a ton of these uh, master's in in management and other specialized master's programs. So we'll see. But, 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 But they they deplete the pipeline for the I know. regular I know. Yeah, MBA it's, it's, program. Yeah. That's that's the fear. Cannibalization, right? Right. These are sorts of case studies you study in business school. Exactly. So yeah. You, you, you'd hope that they're smart enough to figure out the right approach. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, they'll be great programs, but they'll be very very different. Right. Totally. Absolutely agree. So anyway, we'll stay tuned on that. Um, other news: we did run a couple of admissions tips. Uh, one of them is about whether you should apply in round one versus round two. You can read that on the website. We also have a video in the Clear Admit Admissions Academy series um, that anyone who's registered on our site can watch that tackles this kind of, you know, strategy round strategy, what we would call in terms of where you should apply when. Um, and we ran a second admissions tip over the last week that we called anecdotes and advocates. And it's all about you know the outreach you do when you're applying to sort of connect with alumni and current students and learn more about their experiences because just doing so will enrich your own application. You never know. I mean, some of these people you meet might advocate for you, but at minimum they might you know give you enough kind of detail on what it's like in the program for you to have kind of richer anecdotes to share yourself as you're sort of talking about your experience, learning about their school. So definitely check that tip out. It's also something we talk about in the admissions account. Academy, um, but definitely worthwhile um, to investigate. Uh, and then the last thing, Alex, before we get into our candidates is we did do, uh, we're continuing to run those admissions director Q&As with admissions directors at top MBA programs. So we connected um, with a few of them this past week. We talked to J.R. McGrath, who's from Carnegie Mellon uh, University's Tepper School of Business. And it's funny, he, you know, everyone always gives us such great nuggets in these interviews, but he said, we asked him a question about essays, and he said, the best essays typically give a straightforward answer to the question and then provide provide context to that response. For example, if you respond to the career goals essay with a specific goal such as strategy consulting at MBB firms, we hope you are able to articulate why that is the right fit for you. The the context or why to each response is the most important aspect. As we all know, things change in life, and if we understand the why behind your response, then we can make a more confident decision if the Tepper MBA is the right fit for you. So this is something you and I like talk about all the time, Alex, but this idea that, you know, this exercise of figuring out what you want to do and the sort of why behind it is really useful, not only for the candidate, but also for the school to better understand kind of your motivations. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things I think you're pointing out here. One is the theme of why is super, super important. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this. I mean, it's, you know, when you've made career moves prior to the MBA, talking about the whys behind those career moves and so on and so forth. Um, but also essay structure. 
start off, tell the story from immediately. All right, my goal is X, Y, and Z. And then backfill with the context and the whys and the wherefores. That way, the reader really understands right from the get-go what you're addressing in, in, in the essay. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge believer the first paragraph of any essay is by far the most important. Right. If you don't nail it in the first paragraph, things are going to struggle. Yeah, agreed. And then I just want to follow up on that because we, we talked to David Simpson, who's the admissions director at London Business School um, and you know kind of runs, oversees the MBA program admissions specifically, as well as maybe, I think, master's in finance. And, and he talked as well. He said, one key writing tip, when you're telling us about your career so far, be sure to talk about your roles and company descriptions in language we can understand. And he then says, another tip when writing anything, have your reader in mind when you are writing. Ask yourself, who are they? And will they understand what I'm writing? <laughs> so, oh, boy. Yeah. You loved that, didn't you, Greg? Yeah, I did. I, I, did. I mean, I, I could have, yeah, it's like, it's perfect. <laughs> um, but he, you know, and it dovetails really nicely with something we talked about. I, I think we talked about it last week or something, but we have that episode of the Admissions Academy, which is about understanding your admissions reader, right? So anyway, yeah. I think, you know, David is spot on um, and always gives very kind of frank advice. The last school that we connected with um, for these admissions director Q&As in the last Last week was uh, uh, Oxford Said, and we talked to Liam Kilby over there, and he said um, he just gave an interesting statement. And I feel like there was another school that we shared this for as well, but he gave a statement about testing. So here's what Oxford Said kind of feel about testing. They said we currently offer no waivers to the GMAT or GRE component of the application. We believe that a score from one of these tests will give us an insight into the ability of the candidate to handle the rigor of the MBA program whilst on course. We accept both tests and we have no preference as to which one each candidate chooses to take. We recognize there's a growing number of schools that are introducing their own tests in place of traditional options, but we have no plans to do this at this stage. So that's kind of the um, their take on the test. And I, I want to say, I don't know if it was Yale or Chicago, there was another school that had something similar to that recently that we wanted over yeah i mean i like that response quite honestly it, and, and it, sim- it does simplify for the ad con when when they're only focused on two de- two tests yeah agreed no waivers yeah. yeah um so anything else on your end before we dive into the candidates that you've selected for this week's review now let's kick on all right so this is wiretaps candidate number one So we start with an apply wire entry that you picked. Um, this candidate is looking to start in the fall of 24. They've got Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Chicago Booth, and Wharton on their target list. So it's a very fancy target list, all kind of M7 schools. Uh, they've been working in, um, in terms of their pre-MBA career, they did boutique consulting for about three years with two promotions. Uh, then they were recruited to work for a Latin American, I guess, insure tech, so insurance technology um, company, uh, to help lead an operational expansion for that firm into the United States. And they've had um, one recent promotion in that um, in that position uh, or in that for that company. Uh, they want to get into consulting or maybe even entrepreneurship after business school. But for now, they've got Bain, BCG, and McKinsey in their sights as those kind of short-term post-MBA goals. Uh, GMAT score is a 770, and their GPA is a 4.0. Five years of work experience to date. This candidate is located in Peru. 
and they mention that they have a strong interest in AI and they're certain it will change the business world in the upcoming years. They want to gain practical experience um, with it via I mean, Bain, McKinsey, or, or BCG in the US, and then ultimately return to Peru and start their own AI-centered entrepreneurial um, venture. So that's this candidate. I know you actually had a little bit of back and forth with this person, but Alex, man, what's <laughs> there's, not, there's a lot to like here, it seems like, right? Yeah, I mean, three promotions, five years of experience, um, promoted in country and then um, twice and then um, took a new role um, in the US. So got that international experience <clears throat> under their belt. So from an ex experiential standpoint, I think this is probably a really strong candidate, but it's the numbers are just extraordinary, right? 770 GMAT, 4.0 um, GPA. Um, so, you know, and, and I'll throw this back at you, Graham. A 770 GMAT from Latin America that's quite extraordinary, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, GMAC actually publishes some of the averages by region um, for schools to see so they can understand how to best interpret. And for one reason or other, Latin American countries typically don't have like incredibly high score averages. I would attribute it to the fact that there's not a tradition of these like standardized test taking, you know, practices but in, in those countries. It's just not part of the, um, you know, undergraduate experience or anything. So yeah, 770 from Peru is, yeah, that's kind of a, a rare thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I, I point that out because, again, ADCOM doesn't just look at your total GMAT score or whatever, but we'll look at it in context. And, yeah, 770 out of Latin America um, is a really strong effort. Um, but, yeah, combine that with great work experience. I like their goals, um, you know, MBB. I mean, that's standard for a top-tier um, candidate. But they... they plan to return to Peru. I like folks that want to go back to their country um, in the longer term in a, in a role where they could have you know higher impact than they would have if they stayed in the United States or at least you know that's the the the, the, the sort of general consensus startups on kind of AI centered entrepreneurship I, I mean you know you don't need to sell me on the fact that AI is going <laughs> to you know take over business and, and stuff like that so so that makes a lot of sense. Um, they're a little light on the extracurriculars, Graham, but I, I'm not worried about that at all. I think that the, there's so much going on in all other aspects of their profile um, with a little bit on the EC side. Um, I think this is a super, um, super candidate. Great execution on the app should see yield some great results. Yeah, I you know I I think I mostly agree with you. I mean they they don't have strong ECs. They actually mentioned they did a pro bono consulting internship while they were in school, um, and that they occasionally provide some assistance to their father and brother's entrepreneurial ventures. They've done a little bit of community work here and there, but not with any kind of leadership positions. And so they're they. There is a I mean it is definitely a weakness in my mind. Um, the question would be. What do they do, generally speaking, with their spare time, if they have any? Um, what makes them kind of interesting? So I, because I, I agree, the career and this move from like, you know, working mostly in Latin America to now helping a company with their U.S. kind of entrance strategy um, is all great. And the numbers are great, right? So it's just a question of, um, like, if I'm, if I'm reading this file, 
I'd sort of want to know, you know, what clubs or activities is this person going to engage in when they come to my campus beyond joining the consulting club or, you know, the kind of professional related things. So, yeah. you know, maybe they have a passion, I mean, like maybe they're an amazing cook or, you know, maybe they, they, they maybe they are an avid runner and they don't, they just didn't think to put that down because that's not really in their mind, like an extracurricular activity. But I just want to make sure they know that they need to be multidimensional and ideally, you know, interesting to the committee. But I do agree, this won't sink their ship. Um, but I do think, you know, on the margin, given the incredible list of schools they have, you know, it, it could be the case that, you know, would a Stanford or a Harvard take someone who has a really robust set of outside activities and maybe, you know, maybe they have a 750 and a 37. Um, like, what, what's your view on that? Like, how does that play out in this type of instance? Yeah, from Latin America, that, that would make yeah. that, that post, that imaginary post, and perhaps a little bit more interesting, no doubt about yeah. that. I mean, if you've got 7537, you're, you're still, still great. <laughs> uh, yeah. you, you're still ridiculously smart. Yeah. So, um, so, so I, I do understand that. Yeah. Um, but um, I do think that, that having those numbers with that professional experience coming from um, Peru um, is, is a really strong yeah. um, sort of triple hit. Agreed. Yeah. And I will say, you know, in my years of kind of, you know, reading files or even when ClearAdmit used to do like admissions consulting, I often found that people who said, oh, I don't have any activities, that that actually wasn't true. It's just that they were kind of narrowly, narrowly yeah, yeah. defining, defining like what, yeah. you know, so, so I think this person probably is an interesting person and does other things when they're not at work. And it's just a question of, you know, helping them to figure out what those are and get them into their file. So yeah. um, in any event, I want to thank them for sharing sharing their profile. Best of luck as they get their apps together. It sounds like they're doing a bunch of them in round one. Um, but let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second uh, candidate this week is also looking to start in the fall of 24. They have five schools on the target list, and those schools are Berkeley, uh, Carnegie Mellon, MIT, Stanford, and Washington Foster. Uh, this person started their career as an IT system uh, administrator, but then moved pretty quickly into technology consulting and now is actually at a software startup. Uh, Post-MBA, they'd love to work in technology or entrepreneurship. They have companies like Amazon, Google, IBM, Microsoft, and Oracle on the target list. Their GMAT is a 750. Um, Alex, you're picking some real superstar <laughs> test takers this week. Um, their GPA is a 3.85. They have seven years of work experience. They're located in the Midwest, and they would like to land in San Francisco, Seattle, San Diego, or maybe Boston, New York, or Chicago. So they seem a little undecided about which coast um, or where they want to be on the in, in the U.S. after business school. They mentioned they are a white, cis, straight male. They're age 29. They did their undergrad as a dual degree in engineering and math at a top 10 U.S. school, but non-Ivy. Um, and again, as I said, first couple years of their career were as an IT system administrator. Um, they had uh, a few direct reports by the time they left that role. Um, and then they had uh, what moved into consulting where they had a couple of promotions in four years there. Um, and then they've been headhunted more recently to work at this software startup where they have five direct reports across projects. Uh, it's a small company, so they mentioned they're getting a lot of different exposure. Um, the other thing I should mention about this candidate is that in terms of outside activities, um, this person is a musician, and they actually they say they're a coordinator of a music group. Um, they also have a leadership and educational role in a sports organization. They also do volunteer tax prep for low-income families, and they are a distance runner. Um, so. 
any event, I'll stop there because it's a lot to digest. But what do you make of this candidate? I did want to ask you, Alex, they asked us whether or not Foster and Tepper could be viewed as safeties for them. I would think so. Um, a question for you, Graham. Where do you think this person went for undergrad? Yeah, it's interesting because it's a top 10 U.S. program, non-Ivy. And the thing that's confusing to me is they don't say if it was a university or a college. Because obviously if it was a college, um, and they could have gone to like Swarthmore College, which has an engineering program okay. and is a liberal yeah, arts yeah. college. But I mean, that, yeah. that's like where that's where I went, actually. But yeah. but mostly when you think about engineering, it's going to be a bigger, you know, a bigger university. And so it could be like Caltech yeah. um, okay. or, you know, one of those types of schools. I don't I don't know. Yeah. It's a good question, though. The only, well, it's a... The only reason why I asked is I just thought that their career coming out of college is is not a, a path that we see often, right? Yeah. IT systems administrator, mm-hmm. and then into technology consulting, then software startups. So I'm just kind of curious what, what sort of set them on that path. Yeah, um, I think they've done well, and obviously they've made these moves, and and I think they've they've elevated really well. Um, they, they've got some manager experience and so on and so forth. So I'm not knocking it. I'm, it, I'm just kind of curious what what sort of put put them in in, in the, that direction in the first place. Obviously, they're super smart. Yeah. Three eight five. They're doing engineering and maths. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's um, really strong. Seven fifty on the GMAT. Um, again, I think really good progression at work. They're extracurriculars, um, despite the fact that they're a musician. Absolutely fantastic, right? So, so not only do they bash the drums or whatever, but they coordinate a music group. Um, they also have some kind of leadership role in a sports organization. On top of that, they volunteer as a tax preparer um, for low-income families. And then, of course, in their spare time, they go running, right? So it's, it's crazy. They, they seem super busy, super engaged, yeah. um, and, and so forth. So, um, so yeah, I, I would think... Um, that, you know, they, they should aim high. Um, Tepper and, and, and Foster, they could consider, um, you know, they're very good programs, but, you know, Tepper would be considered top 20, you know, in that 16 to 20 bracket in terms of tier, and Foster would be in the next tier back, although some, some argue that they, I think, you know, keep going up and up. Um, I, you know, I think this is sort of M7, type targeting um, on the cusp of M7. So they've got Haas. Um, but I would encourage them. They've got Sloan M7, obviously, um, um, Stanford. But I would encourage them to look at Wharton um, and, and maybe one other M7 to sort of flesh yeah. out their their overall target program. Spread their applications over two rounds um, so they're not going, you know, after seven or eight programs all in one round. That would be quite a quite a burden mm-hmm. and um and yeah see 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 where they land i don't think they're overrepresented um so you know round two is still going to be accessible so so i think there's there's a lot to like here graham that you know their numbers their work their ecs all looks all looks pretty good yeah i mean you know, i was thinking back to your original question and i you know when you think about top you know, you top 10 schools in the US, the ones that actually I was just peeking at, you know, the kind of US news list and the, you know, the schools that come up are University of Chicago, um, MIT. Mm. So those are possible too, if, if we're talking about a university. And I, you know, the one thing that's a little interesting to me is that 
When I look at their target list, I mean, it's it leans West Coast, right? They've got Foster, Stanford, and Berkeley on the list, right? And so there's that aspect, and they yeah. and they that is a potential target for them. They talk about maybe San Francisco or Seattle or San Diego, but then they also mention they'd be willing to go to Boston or New York or Chicago. Um, but what's interesting is when it comes to East Coast schools, like you say, you know, they only have Tepper and Sloan, um, both great options, right? But you know, there are other schools in, in, you know, in, in the region there that they might want to be considering, like you say, like I would, you know, Wharton's not a bad option. Um, you know, Harvard's in, 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 in Boston as well. So, you know, there are some good schools in New York. So, so I, yeah, I was just kind of curious. I, and they mentioned Chicago as a landing place too, but they don't have Chicago on the list. And I wondered if maybe that's because they did undergrad there. I, I don't know, but it is. So I, I, I do kind of wonder about the list, but I, I agree that as to their primary question, they're very qualified for all of these schools. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be fair to say, fair to say that given their career and their 753.8, um, that Foster and, and Tepper will be easier to get into for them than some of the others. And so, yeah, I think they have a nice range of programs on yeah. the list here. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, um, I, I mean, and personally, just from where I come from, and you know this, but I, I think that the fact that they're doing music um, is cool, you know, that I do music too, so I'm biased. But the other thing that's interesting to me is just that when you have someone who's a, you know, formerly like an IT system administrator or, or has done like technology consulting and working in software, when you see someone who then also does things like, you know, is is playing music, it, it's a really nice way to balance and get some, you know, what is it, right brain, left brain mix going, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I think I think this person's super qualified and, and should get into some of their targets. Yeah, I would encourage them to, yeah, maybe, like they're saying, maybe spread it across the two rounds, but we'll see. Yeah, I'd spread it across two rounds. I'd add two or three programs into the mix, one of which would be Wharton, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ross, maybe, if they want some... But there's a little bit of a gap there between the sort of programs they've got listed in Tepper and Foster, so they might want to fill that with, with yeah. one top 16 like Ross or something like that. Agreed. And, you know, one thing that I should point out is with Stanford and MIT, as they're kind of two M7 schools on their list, those are two of the harder ones in terms of, you know, small class size, low acceptance yeah, yeah. rates. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's something to think about as well. But Well, same with Haas. Yeah, exactly. Especially within yeah. state. I mean, there's, there are a lot of reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, I worry that when you look at the top end of their targets, it's like they're going for the smaller, low acceptance rate um, top schools. And, and, you know, that's not to say that because acceptance rate isn't everything, right? I think that, you know, for example, you know, MIT may have a lower acceptance rate than, you know, some of the other M7, right? But it's still harder to get into Wharton than MIT. Yeah. Even though the acceptance rates are different. Yeah. But, but also, the the every school they're targeting is a smaller program, which is quite interesting. And maybe right? that's Haas, purposeful. Yeah. Sloan and Stanford yeah. out of the top programs are the smaller of the top programs. Yeah. So yeah, there might be a, 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 a misdirected cultural fit there because I'm a big believer, get into a large program, you you can still create a small experience, but you can tailor it more to your own sort of desires, right? Yeah. Um, so, or at least that, that, at least that's what I used to say when I was recruiting for war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, but I think, you know, really we would need to know yeah, what what yeah. what's driving that? Because maybe they really just are insistent on being in a small program or something. But yeah. in any event, some food yeah. for thought for them. They're clearly qualified. They're going to do well. They just need to get their ducks in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, figure figure out their schools and round strategy and and yeah and get to it because the deadlines are coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I want to thank them for their post. Let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number three. 
So our final entry this week is uh, someone who wants to start school again in the fall of 24. This is an ApplyWire entry that you selected. This person has six schools that they're targeting, and those schools are Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. Uh, this person is, uh, let's see, they've done a couple of different things. I guess they mentioned director of product marketing um, for an e-commerce startup. And they've also been a senior brand manager for a um, CPG firm. They want to get into entrepreneurship after business school. Um, they have a 3.7 GPA. Their GRE, which it sounds like they're retaking, um, currently the score they have is a 300. And they have six years of work experience. person is located in New York City. And here's where things get really interesting. Um, they mentioned they're an ex-professional ballerina with a regional U.S. ballet company. Um, but then they also, in terms of their like post-ballerina career, it sounds like, or maybe it was in parallel, I don't know. Um, but they said they were an account executive promoted to senior brand manager at a tier one CPG. Um, and that they then moved on, it sounds like, to become director of product marketing at a fast-growing startup that's Series B, um, in a Series B round of financing, um, and managing a team of two in that role. And they do mention that they are on the Young Professionals Board um, for a national ballet company and children's hospital. So, you know, this is an interesting one, Alex, because on the one hand, you say, wow, this is like, um, you know, when they make those catalogs to sort of show off a school, they'll be like, we have this former football player and a ballerina. And, you know, they, like it fits that, <laughs> that mold yeah. of like someone who has a really non-traditional background. Um, what I do like about this candidate, I'm curious to hear your take, is just that unlike some non-traditional candidates, this person's actually already transitioned into the business world and has been working in CPG and marketing and stuff. So, yeah, what do you make of this situation? Yeah, get get this GRE score up. That's it. That's what yeah. they've got to do because at the end of the day, like you say, they've got that really interesting sort of element to their profile that schools really love, something very different. And mm -hmm. why do schools love that, right? So ex-football player, ex-ballerina or whatever. This shows it's someone, not only do they have sort of athletic talent or whatever, but there's an element of real dedication to performing at a very high level that really resonates, I think, with ADCOM. Um, and so forth. So, you know, as an ex-professional ballerina, um, there's also still, and I think this is important to note, they're, they're um, on the board for the National Ballet Company now as a young professional or whatever, and children's hospital. So they're, so they're still active in a sort of some kind of capacity. Um, so I think that's really, really strong and very different. So that helps the candidate really stand out. And as you mentioned, they've already made the transition and look like they've made it very effectively um, as a marketer um, in a couple of different roles. Um, so frankly, I think, um, you know, Adcom is going to really... This is, this is the type of candidate, Graham, that Adcom are going to want to admit, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're going to look for every reason why they can bring this person into their program, but a GRE of 300 is going to shut the door shut, like yeah. quickly, especially for the programs that they should be in, right? So they've got to retake this um, GRE. Frankly, I think, I don't know what they did to get a 300, whether they didn't do much prep or whatever, because they have a 3.7 um, um, GPA from right. a business program. 
Yeah. Um, so, so, and and again, they have a strong professional experience too. So, so they got to be sharp. Um, so, I'm really hoping they ramp up their prep. Don't look at round one. Target round two. Get that GRE into the three twenties, mid three twenties. I, I would I would push for, so that it reflects all other elements of the profile. Yeah. And um and and yeah, I think this is this is potentially outstanding profile. Yeah, and what's interesting is you know the um the quant score on the Jerry was a one sixty, which you know that yeah. would normally you see like one sixty one sixty or at a three twenty, but so there must be it must be the verbal that is lagging here yeah. for one reason or another. Uh, yeah, we have no idea how much prep they did, et cetera. But I think this would be a worthwhile investment, like even if it means getting like a tutor or taking a class or whatever they need to do. And the reason I say that is because you know not only will it open up some opportunities in terms of them you know being competitive at the very top schools on their list, but it may mean money in terms of scholarship. Yeah. So spending like a couple yeah, yeah. grand on like a tutor in the near term or whatever it might cost might pay big dividends when they get that, you know, $80,000 scholarship to go to a top school. So that's one thing to think about. The other thing I worry is that as you say, admissions teams are going to be rooting for this candidate because it's a non, you know, kind of non-traditional background, et cetera, right? But what may happen if you apply with a really low test score is you would get what we call a conditional admit, right? So the school might say, yeah, well, um, or a wait list and then some instruction. You know, they might say, we're waitlisting you. We need you to, um, you know, bring your score up. Um, or even, a, I've seen schools do conditional and say, conditional upon your getting a three, you know, 15 or a 320 at least on the, on the GRE. So I, I'm just, I think going after it right away and getting this done would be smart, and it would just show that the you know that the candidate has a knowledge of of what, what's needed. So, in any event, super competitive though. Otherwise, I feel like it's like that's the only kind of weak link at this point. I, I, I will throw one more question back to you on this candidate, actually, Graham, because we didn't talk about this, and I didn't address it in the comments either. Their goals, they just state entrepreneurship. Um, so what are you looking for um, in, in that aspect? Yeah, I think um, I would want to know, like, what what exactly are they hoping to do? And, you know, f- frankly, you know, I'm a little wary of someone who says entrepreneurship who hasn't yet launched their own company. Um, I mean, it's it's it can be challenging, right? So now with that said, they they do have experience with a startup. And so it could be that the exposure to that has really sparked this interest. Um, and yeah. so, and that would be fine, but I would want to know like, what industry are you going to do it in? What's the ballpark idea? Um, and, you know, how have you maybe already be ha- been having some conversations with, um, you know, VCs or whoever it is, you know, business advisors that to sort of help shape your plan and, and, and how you're going to take advantage of it in business school and use some of the courses and things on offer to shape your, your, you know, your business plan, et cetera. So I, yeah. but yeah. yeah, so I'd want some, cause, cause yeah, it could be dangerous to have someone with kind of fuzzy goals and a low test score. Like that would be, you know, two strikes against, right? So I think, yeah, get the test score up nail down the goals. And, you know, frankly, sometimes I find it's more palatable for someone to say, first, when I graduate, I'm going to work at this type of a company, and then I'm going to launch my own firm in that very space. I want to get some firsthand experience, though, first, you know, or something. So in any event, yeah. there's a lot of ways to do it, but I agree they, they need to flesh that part out, too. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So, very good. 
Wish them all the best of luck. Yeah, appreciate the post. Um, Alex, thanks for picking these out. Some pretty impressive numbers on those first two candidates and just all around three really interesting candidates with a lot to offer in the NBA classroom. So we'll do it all again next week. Um, So yeah, thanks again for picking these out, Alex. Very good. Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe.